Namaste. Welcome backwards to Bodhi Speak. I'm sitting here today with Kate Roudenbush. For those of you who don't know, Kate Roudenbush is an epic, amazing artist, sculpture artist, and also my ex-girlfriend of, we were dating four <laughs> years, Kate? <laughs> what? We were dating four, four years, right? Four years. Four years, Listen. right. Hi, everyone. Yeah. And, okay, uh, we'll get that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> we we traveled all over the world together and built a lot of really epic art. We brought art to Burning Man. We brought art to the Woodstock grounds in New upstate New York, very close to where Matin right now. We brought art to Amsterdam, to Chile, San Francisco. Uh all Kate's art though. I was not the artist. I was just kind of like the uh sidekick and um did a no. lot of I did a lot of the metal fabrication. But anyways, um, You're amazing, Jerry. That was oh, awesome. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, to read Kate's bio, I was really I wanted Kate to come on because Kate is just also like the power of Kate's art is just like radical. It impacts you super deeply. It's amazing, and it's been brought all over the world. It's also been brought to Korea, and it's just spectacular, transformational. We're gonna talk a lot about it. So I'm gonna read Kate's bio here. Uh, so Kate Roudenbush is a New York-based Burning Man-bred sculpture artist and designer. She learned early on to creatively adapt to her surroundings as her family relocated six times to four different countries by the age of 14, where she observed clearly that the most unifying and uplifting identifiers of humanity are its cultural expressions. What we cherish and what we create represents who we are. Art is a conduit through which humanity understands itself. Once as an intern for MTV and then a professional photographer in the theater and entertainment worlds of New York City, the shapeshifter, she shapeshifted again through transformational playa dust and creative community to reinvent herself as a self-taught sculpture artist, becoming one of the most prolific solo female artists at Burning Man since 1999. Kate evolved to create the first Burning Man sculpture to be collected straight from the desert into the permanent collection of a U.S. museum, the Nevada Museum of Art in 2007. Since then, she has sought to challenge herself to roam an unconventional creative path from a remote artist residency near the de demilitarized zone in South Korea to the creation of a monolithic gateway sculpture leading to the Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada, to designing a massive wing soundstage in Amsterdam for Mysteryland, the longest running electronic dance music festival in Europe. In 2019, she received the National Citizen Artist Award from America from Americans for the Arts at the U.S. Conference of Mayors in Washington, D.C., she used her award speech to encourage U.S. mayors to mobilize and shape their cities to address climate change. Kate's words and work have been published and exhibited in shows from the record-breaking No Spectators, the Art of Burning Man exhibition at the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., to the Hangarim Art Museum in Seoul, South Korea, to Red, red Carpet Sculptures for the American Film Institute Film Festival, in Hollywood. Allegorical artworks have been created for the International Arts Fair from Scope in Miami and Art Southampton to festivals in civic squares in La Las Vegas, Santiago, Chile, Montreal, Canada, Tulum, Mexico, Lake Tahoe, Reno, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, and New York City. Kate has made two TEDx talks about creativity at Burning Man and in Tulum, Mexico, as well as spoken at the Smithsonian Museum of American Art the SF MoMA, and the NMA. She has been featured in the New York Times, the London Times, Rolling Stone, Current TV, Intel IQ, and on the cover of COD, a Works Magazine's architectural art issue. 
among others. She has a World Technology Network nominee for the arts in 2016, and her art has been featured in several books about the creative culture at Burning Man, including the Tashin publication, The Art of Burning Man, The Burning Book, and on the cover of Burning Man, Art on Fire. She was recently featured in the creative vanguard of artists in the 2020 documentary film, Burning Man, Art on Fire. Yes, she has happily burned her artwork with pyrotechnics. She loves to dance. Okay, Kate. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a long, very impressive bio. <laughs> it's pretty cool to read it. Can you share your artist statement? Sure. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on this podcast. It's really nice to talk to you again yep. about art and life. Okay, so here's my artist statement. And, you know, artist statements are the why uh, behind why artists do what they do. And for me, my art is also kind of intertwined with my spiritual practice. So here we go. I strive to create enveloping environments and sacred spaces that invite both intellectual curiosity and soulful connection. My wish is for you to feel elevated and empowered by intentional space. In this way, the artwork and its intention is not a, just a concept or an object to behold, but also a spatial, symbolic experience to be lived and learned from. Art is a conduit through which humanity understands itself. I create with the belief that conscious creativity and has a connective and awakening force. I share the conviction that throughout our human history, Artistic expression and invention has been and will continue to be an indicator of an evolved society, showing an awareness of its own identity, belief systems, and a connection to both earthbound and spiritual presence. My work's motivating force is an endeavor to create art and experiences that both question and inform reality and include and elevate human beings. My creativity is an ongoing attempt to foster an awareness of our evolving humanity and our relationship with our earth that will resonate with the empathic conscience of our collective culture now and into our future. Awesome, thank you for sharing that. Before we get started, would it, is it inappropriate if I share um, what your parents do? No, I'm going to share it. You okay. need to know. Why is that important? I know. I just think it's kind of cool. That's all. I was just thinking about this. When you, cause it, when you shared, when I read reading your bio, it reminded me of what your dad does and what your mom does and how yeah. you're located. I don't know if it's something we should get into now or later, but. Maybe. I mean. I say inappropriate because what your dad's work is. That's all. I know. Well, it's not, it's not a secret anymore. Okay. But um, <laughs> to. to, to <laughs> To, to, to dramatically synopsize what my parents do and how I grew up as very odd parents. My, my mother is a stage actress and my father is a spy. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, my mom is a classically trained um, um, actress on stage on Broadway and um, on TV and film and she still works to this day and my dad um, uh, worked uh, in operations fighting the spread of communism in Eastern Europe as 
a uh, operations officer for the Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> which, which is funny because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty much as communist as you could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that, um, I think there's a big difference between communism uh, and socialism. Okay. And um, there, you really need to make the distinction between that two. Uh, communism, I think, like in socialism and is kind of like what happened was a failed a, an idea whose practice was failed you know yeah. because look what happened to um Russia, right so there's got to be another way to do it and without throwing away some of the best aspects of um social structure um while not being um totally against um uh I'm not going to say capitalism necessarily, but because that's not the only other way. But like a socialist democracy um, seems to be a good a good me uh, middle way. Mm -hmm. In any case, um, so yeah, my dad uh, was probably still is and always has been my one of my greatest altruistic heroes. Actually, um, he, I think he got into um, that work because he really believed in in the United States, but also believed in the concept of democracy and freedom and mm -hmm. um, lifting up all of humanity from oppression. So that's that's the that's the why for him. I mean, he is probably one of the most cultured people I've ever met. Um, you know, he he's really a Renaissance man who loves mm -hmm. nature and poetry and museums and architecture and all that stuff. And that's how I got exposed to all sorts of culture at a very young age is because my dad took me to all these beautiful places and also took me hiking and all these things. So I, tru I truly am my father's daughter <laughs> for real. Um, but um, yeah, it's, uh, but I think that informed my why, like my, that artist statement, my dad would probably read it and like be moved to tears or something like that. Okay. So, um, and of course my mom, um, being a performer and seeing my mom do the work of a creative artist was extremely inspiring and and also um my one of my very first mentors was actually uh, a sets and costume designer his name um was desmond healy and i just just remember the the excitement of talking to someone who literally could create a new reality from scratch from his imagination and i think that's what planted the seed in me early on when i was like eight or nine years old to um to say look you can you can create your own world of fantasy you can create and we know what later led to sculpture right but and i think that when i went to burning man um that seed started to grow you know it started to be like wait a second this is an entire culture about creating your own own world uh -huh. you know out in the desert where no life seems to live <laughs> but you know there's this explosion of of creativity and novelty and um social experiment um that what I had never experienced before in my entire life. And, and I think that's what really changes people, not just experiencing that, but also 
stepping completely away from uh, the so-called connection of your phones, your TV, the internet, and all that, and really drop into the, the true connection, which is direct human connection. Yes, and that's what's cool about your art because your art is designed to create that. And like, there's there's a lot of art out there. I remember you and I would go to museums and we go to the, the MoMA and stuff like that, and be like, "Why the hell is this thing in a museum? It's total trash." Like, why are people taking photos of this and this kind of thing? And this is what I th I always thought was really amazing about your art was that like, it's not just like something to look at. It's like an experience, and it's not just an experience, but it's one that would connect you with a lot of other people because you create these like they're sacred spaces. They're like visionary mm -hmm. sacred spaces that people go into, and can you just talk a little bit about like what got you inspired to start creating those spaces? Cause you were uh, in the bio, you were a photographer. That's how you got started, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I started as a, I studied photography in college at Drexel university as like kind of like a double major, but really it was like a minor. And then I, and I started to do um, photography um, in New York City, a lot of creative, you know, it's, a, you'll, you read the bio, it's okay, <laughs> I don't have to say it again, but I, I went to Burning Man as a photographer, and when you go to photograph Burning Man, it's almost impossible to really document what it feels like to be there, right. which is great, because <laughs> you're not supposed to be able to capture something with a photograph or a video, you're supposed uh -huh. to live it. And the, the, the act of actual frustration of not being able to capture it, actually, that's what propelled me to go, well, look, if I can't capture this, and, and, the, you know, and I have to say also, the act of being an observer at Burning Man and not a participant is, um, it's like the opposite energy of being at Burning Man. If you're just removed and you've got this camera in front of your face and you're just the observer and you're not in the experience, you're just documenting it, you're not really experiencing Burning Man. If you're constantly you know, taking selfies and taking pictures, you're not experiencing your life. You're, you're just being a documentary photographer, right? Whether it's a selfie or anything else, you're just, you've got, you've got something else mitigating your life experience. You're not present. And so because I didn't feel 100% present, I'm like, damn it. Instead of documenting this experience, I'm just going to have to create it. I want to create an experience. And this was about 2000, I want to say, um, three, I suppose, two or three. So I had been to the Burning Man for three years. I first went in 99. And, um, and so I just challenged myself. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, make I'm just gonna see if I can make something it wasn't I now have a business plan to become a sculpture artist right. <laughs> it was not that at all it was very much like I'm just gonna experiment and create this thing I so I created this thing called observer observed in 2004 which is a a box of um two-way mirror it's a 10 by 10 by 10 cube of two two-way mirror which kind of um was about um the act of seeing and being seen because surveillance mirror is all about like being on the light side you only see your reflection but on the dark side you can see through it so it's about perception um and uh and creating um a shelter 
for myself who was always freezing going across the playa from one party to the next like back then like the nights were really cold and so you freeze your butt off riding your little bike from like 10 o'clock to two o'clock I'm like at some point there's got to be a shelter somewhere deep playa so that I can like warm myself with my friends and and then or hide from the sandstorm or something while going to a party on the other side and so um this sculpture uh came to be so and then from there you just kind of it just flowed you just kept making sculpture after sculpture you were just doing burning man uh they were giving you grants to do it and then you got involved with laser cut steel and then from there it just got like you started to create really really powerful like impactful pieces that you were just like okay i'm really like i'm now a sculpture artist that was like something that happened yeah i i never i didn't i never called myself an artist uh and like until 2007 like uh, for me calling oneself an artist this is my own personal take on it is that's a big deal you know mm -hmm. i don't know from because I, I there's so much of art history that I know and calling yourself an artist, I feel like is a, for me, felt like a sacred thing. Like you're actually taking Definitely, on, yeah. on this challenge. It's not something to um, play with because it comes with a lot of responsibility, at least in my, um, in my experience, um, especially when you're making public art um, to really con contribute to the human experience. Um, yeah, so it felt intimidating to say I'm an artist. Mm. I, I was almost terrified. <laughs> like, oh shit, I'm a lot. But you know, you can't uh, can't surrender to to fear, or else nothing will ever get done. And that that's really powerful that that's your perspective. Just because, like, at this day and age, like I was saying, we, when we would go in the museums, you're like, what is most of this stuff? It's like there's just like I remember you'd always call it like low hanging fruit. It's like that's what so much of the art world has become. And it's kind yeah. of it, it's a bizarre thing because like in a lot of ways, Burning Man is like a lot of people from the outside look at it as kind of just like a festival and this sort of thing that is kind of maybe that for them, they could perceive it to be low hanging fruit. But then like you like I remember when we were there, we were doing uh, one of the sculptures. We were doing the star seed. Someone was like, oh, well, it's just ply art. You know, it's going to get like a little beat up or whatever. And, you know, in a certain way, like kind of putting it down. Uh, which would make zero sense to me, but um, like what I'm what I'm getting at is that like when you know people go into museums and things, the things that our culture values is like, whoa, this stuff is like really like what is this? Who cares about this? But then you go to Burning Man, you see like the the power of things that you were creating, and like how much that impacts people, and how like much it transforms people, and how important that is, and what is it that like our culture could derive from the art at Burning Man and how like, you know, those pieces can bring like real radical transformation to people's consciousness? Well, I think the first thing you have to understand that context is important, whether you're talking about art in a museum. I think you remember, I think I was bitching about uh, <laughs> Jeff Koons, which everyone loves to hate. Um, <laughs> and then you're like, what is this mobile thing? I've seen a million of these. And I, I, what's the deal with Alexander Calder? I'm like, dude, he invented this. <laughs> You're like, yeah, oh, right, right, right. This is the first one. This is the right. first one. And so that, that's why you're seeing a piece of history. Like, you have to understand what came before this to, to see modern art as a radical departure from what came before. 
like that's a beautiful thing about studying art history is where you how do you get from Delacroix to um Vincent van Gogh to Jacuns? How do you do that? You know what I mean? And one thing builds off of the next one. I'm actually off of the next art movement, right? Taking inspiration and passing it on. And you know, I remember I remember um, someone saying, well, uh, interactive uh, art is just a fad. And I, I just started laughing. This is someone from the art world going uh -huh. like, oh, yeah, or looking at, um, looking, saying, oh, Burning Man, this is still a stupid, stupid uh, preconceived notion of people who have never been there. So, but once you actually right. go to Burning Man, you actually understand it. But it's very easy to pass judgment on it and with a lot of assumptions. Um, because this is what people do. They think they know <laughs> without actually experiencing what it's like to uh, be there. Um, and I think you have to understand that it's, it's first and foremost, Burning Man is a, is a social experiment, mm -hmm. right? Not a festival. It's, a it's not a festival. Yeah. It's a city that is built out of plain, like, flat, <laughs> dry lake bed surrounded by mountains in the middle of nowhere, right? For over 30 years, it's, this has been happening. And it's like this, it's almost like the world's most creative dare, right? And it's like, okay, you're gonna start with nothing and you're gonna create the most radical, creative, generous, participatory culture <laughs> this country has ever seen <laughs> and you're going to do it by by forming community by being generous by uh pooling all of your talents and resources together and then you're going to give it not for to make money you're going to do it all for free mm -hmm. so you weed out a lot of the people doing it for greed right right profit or you know you're 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 outside the um the machine of capitalism and you are um you're in you're doing it for the love and you're doing it for the dare you're doing it for like the amazing challenge that it is and you meet other people with that kind of creative courage out there and you form your alliances and community and and you honestly i mean i i remember going out into the middle of the playa at night and thinking to myself, this was not here a week ago, and we made this. This is so incredibly beautiful and such an act of like creative generosity and joy that I started to cry. And I started to just go, this is restoring my faith in the human race that we can bother to do this just to share it with each other, just to blow each other's minds and, 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 and lift each other up and inspire and empower each other and be the, the creative reset that we all desperately are, are, are striving for, a spiritual reset. And, and, I, I, I cried because if we can do this here, then 
all the things that are going wrong with the world is actually comes down to human choice and will and our creative imagination and you know bringing our skill set to bear to like the a, a greater concept of who we can be because if if you can do it in this impossible impossible environment and if we can what let's look at covid we can shut down the entire world and get people to get on the bandwagon for to 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 save human health then why can't we do this for the whole entire planet to save the the earth that we desperately need because like we're in desperate need of of collective massive spiritually creatively uh massive massive action to save our future for our kids for your kids your kid to come any day now jerry right mm -hmm. yep. if we can do that then anything is really possible and i think that's why i cried is because i knew then that it was possible yeah we kind of need it we need an exorcism and so <laughs> bernie right. bernie man i mean like go ahead i totally agree with you it is it is a you know it's a great letting go like a, in the pandemic right. i <clears throat> just to pivot a little bit like in the pandemic i you know everything was shut down i lost a ton of work a ton of money all this stuff and i just said okay look fine this is going to be a creative retreat for me <laughs> this is like i don't have you know I, I i wasn't dating anyone thank god during the, that year and more, year plus year and a half um and i just was like okay this is going to be a spiritual reset i'm gonna do like some some like emotional spiritual archaeology on myself <laughs> and really like dig into the why of me and like how did i get here well who am i why 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 all that stuff and you know meditate every day for at least half an hour do a lot of journaling and i basically was like okay so i'm i'm on a spiritual retreat for a year <laughs> or whatever however long it took and um and I, you know, at the end of it, I had, I, I developed um, some fantastic uh, new, new roots and new branches to, to myself and my soul and a new uh, reach for new depths within myself. And I, I, I finally, I really started to like myself, <laughs> I like myself more. Um, and um and, and i can't wait because i i'll well, maybe i'll tell you later but i like i i have this whole concept of um um a sculptural journey that i've created for this new artwork that i'm that i'm that's going to be in 2023 in the richmond uh botanic garden uh, in richmond virginia um it's called encanto and it's basically like this spiritual journey with poetry and sculpture through a, a whole journey through a botanic garden with six sculptures that you go to and then you have almost like like an incantation uh this this meditative space and um reading poetry and writing in a journal and using art as a, a conduit to understand yourself and your relation to yourself and the earth 
and that's I think what's so epic about your art is that I think I don't know who said it if it was you or somebody else it sounds like one of those but as art is being a mirror to your soul like because that's that's kind of what we're talking about like you go to the museum and like I wasn't talking about necessarily it's Alexander Calder that's right that's the name who does the movies yes. okay I, I, that wasn't the one I was thinking of I was thinking of things more like the gummy bears and the um where the guy does the gummy bears and they're on the uh the police what's that called you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the lineup. The lineup shot, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And they sell for hundreds the, uh, of thousands of dollars. The lineup thing with the thing. And you're just like, what is that? Candle gummy. Yeah, but I, what, I, what I appreciate, I've always appreciated about your art is like, it actually is like a mirror for the soul. And it like connects you to that place. And then what I thought was, what I appreciated uh, in your, I think it was your artist statement, that you create art that both questions and informs reality. And... I think that's a that's a really cool way to put it because like what for people who haven't been in your art you know you create these like giant monolithic sculptures that can be as big as 40 feet tall that you can climb in sometimes that you can go and lay in there's like lounges in them there's crazy light sometimes there's been sound before and i remember one story that you shared with me that was just that still impacts me to this day is that you were i wasn't there with you but you had gone to um i think a science exhibit you drop you brought brain drop there and there was an autistic boy that went in the space and then when he went into the space he was like he went from being totally like kind of shut down to then going like oh oh my god like look at this look at that like totally animated like lit up like life moving through him super powerful completely transformation of his emotional state and his dad i think came to you crying and he was like I, he's never done that before ever like in any circumstances, <laughs> right? I mean, that, is that how it, that's what happened, right? Yeah. yeah, it was really fascinating. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so there was two boys, one boy that was kind of uh, um, very protective of his energy. You know, he felt uh, overwhelmed um, by the chaos of the world. And, and then there was another boy sort of around the same age who had tons of energy and he was just kind of a spaz and you know I mean all kids are kind of spazzes but like you know he was like ah, running around and he was a world a whirlwind and what the really fascinating thing was is that these two boys and I think they were uh, like eight or age eight or below um went into brain drop and now there is a cushion floor on the on the bottom so it's like a giant eight foot round um uh, upholstered bed basically that you can lie down and look up and see the geometry of the sculpture which is a repeated geometry of waves repeat repeat into a um rate into radial geometry that's um six-sided hexagonal star at the very very top um and so it looks like a flower when if you lie down and you um, look up at the center, it looks like a mandala of this beautiful blue, black, and white um, flower like dripping down at you, made of waves. Okay, <laughs> so um, it it was really about this water being the source of life, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So the boy that was maybe had Asperger's, he was on the spectrum. He went in and he saw the ordered universe make sense, I think, in his mind. 
he saw it and he felt safe because it was a predictable pattern that he could figure out and it was around him and he felt safe and contained and the world kind of felt like it made sense to him and he just went oh it's beautiful I see all the patterns it everything is it, you know it he became he came alive and then the kid that was the spaz he laid down in the center of the space with his head right at the very very center lying on his back and looked up and he became completely calm so it's adaptogen adaptogenic yeah it's adaptogenic. <laughs> it, it balances wherever you're out of balance <laughs> it was really wild so both of the, the both ends of the spectrum one of them became completely it was like the art the ritalin art it was like it was like what one kid became super calm and centered and like basically like a puddle of surrender and the other boy just came to life and was like this is the most beautiful thing i have ever seen oh my god and he just came alive and his parents were so happy that and i told them i said this is the power of the geometry of space and i said please like uh, introduce him to spatial geometry and you know bring him expose him to more like architectural spaces that like make sense like this expose him to i mean he's he's an artist <laughs> you know like he's he understands this structure like in his bones it makes sense to him so he needs to see more of this to feel centered and and come and also come alive yeah so and, and, I, oh well, what i was gonna say is like uh and this reminds me of i think the guy who came up with the with penicillin or something along those lines he spent time in a monastery in france and like mm. being in the architecture of the monastery is what gave him the insight how to create the vaccination or the penicillin i don't have the specifics off the top of my head but basically mm. he just said the architectural space brought his mind into this place where he could like step into a spot like outside of linear thinking and be like creative and abstraction and also like tune into his intuition uh, and like so, the, I think the message that has always come to me from this story has just been like the importance of the spaces that we surround ourselves in, and like what what that can do to your mind. I mean, it can bring you to a place wow. where you're if you're a complete spaz, it can make you feel really relaxed. Like you know, we oftentimes don't really, especially like on a spiritual path, someone might be like, oh, it's it's all from within, you know, and this kind of thing. But actually, like what we're finding here is that like our environment can inform us and impact us like very powerfully. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, when people don't really uh, know, look, you, there's a lot of paths to, um, to creativity is not a wrong way of making art, but there's something to going to a place <clears throat> that is calm and ordered. And, you know, you can, you can, you can, you could certainly like, write down notes and draw and draw and draw feverishly but at the same time just let it all go and this is this is where a lot of a lot of my ideas come where i'm going okay i'm going to trust the process and i'm just going to go and sit and meditate and just be quiet and not think about it at all at all and once once you make space in your mind for things or whether it's like an uh, emotions something happening in your life or something that you want to build or anything really 
just get out of your own way, honestly. <laughs> Drop into uh, your own space and there sometimes in on, honestly, there is an astral plane out there where I just, I, it's open and I, and I have, there's many times where I go and I'm looking for answers and I'm like, I'm just going to remain open and I'm just, I'm just going to show up in, in the nothingness and just be, and I will have sculptures literally out of nowhere build themselves in front of my eyes like there's this such a thing as like in um engineering drawings it's called the exploded view where you take all the parts and they're like suspended mid explosion all the parts like this and they're lines like this part goes here and this part goes there and they're it's it's a reverse exploded view it starts exploded and then they all it all comes in and the sculpture like makes itself in space with no gravity and the sculpture builds itself all together and it's like here this is how you build the sculpture <laughs> and uh as we're we're talking you know like about this with the story of the boy and then like you know this idea of like you go into meditation it's like the way well for instance we were we were having dinner one time we were with my teacher maestro manuel uh up here in upstate new york and i remember him saying when you were describing your art he's like oh so you're like a healer who heals with arts who heals with the art and so, mm. like, that, that's what I think is cool. It's like, you know, it's not a commodification. It's a healing act. You know, it's also an yeah. awake, awakening act. And so, like, what one of the questions I wanted to ask you about is, you know, there's this wonderful quote, Joseph Campbell, who we both have a good affinity for. Yeah. said something that the artist is the modern-day mystic and shaman and yogi. And obviously the mystic, shaman, and yogi still have a place in our culture and more of a place in our culture maybe now than ever before. But when that quote was said, I don't think, you know, those roles have probably been lost in a lot of ways. But can you talk about the artist as basically being a shaman for the culture and like what that means? And like, because that's when you were saying too, like the responsibility of being an artist, it's kind of like that, right? You're like, you're the one that's like paving the way for humanity to step into a new place of consciousness and relationship and a new reality. So if you, however you want to share about that, it'd be great. I just want to make sure, um, I first, first I want to say this, one of my favorite quotes in all of humanity, at least as it, as, as it pertains to art, is one by Terence McKenna that says, art redeems the idea that man is good. Mm. And I love that so much because when you look, you look at the macro view of human accomplishment, throughout time in history, right? And you zoom way, way out. What are, what, are the, what are the things that you can point to that we've done right? Are you asking me? No. No, yeah, <laughs> that's ahead, a rhetorical so question for anyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ari, you're not on the spot. I don't want to be on the spot. That's all, you finish it. quiz, you will be great. No, but like, really, like you think, think about all, <laughs> think about all the things that human beings have done. Um, and all the good stuff is all creative. It's inventions, um, it's architecture, it's art, it's music. It's like, where do you find your joy? Of course you find your joy with other people, but it's a lot of times it's doing creative things, right? It's on the dance floor, <laughs> you know, it's 
you know, I, I, for me, I feel like there, there's, there's several places where I find my, myself vibrating at the highest frequency. And it's when I'm having, I'm, I'm experiencing creativity, I'm experiencing nature, and I'm experiencing um, uh, the spirit through nature or through plants, right? Plant medicine. And, and then also, of course, through other human beings. And so when you have, when you have, when you have creative acts up there in the top four of your, of, of your highest experiences, that means that it's necessary and the best part of humanity. And I feel like if you take it all away, if you look around yourself and you look at everything that is actually beautiful, it's actually been designed or made by some sort of creative person. Everything, look, the music that you listen to, right? Um, uh, everything that you, the books that you've read, the, the, you know, the dancing to music, the, the movie that you saw, that these are all artists, you know, <clears throat> the beautiful thing that you're wearing, also made by an artist, and um, the beautiful building, the, you know, a church made by artists, Calder Architect. <laughs> And, and you take all of that away. Let's say you take away everything that a human made that was beautiful. What is left? Really do this as a mental exercise. Anyone who is listening, like take away everything that is beautiful that humans has ma have made. What would that our world look like? We'll look, uh, it would be unbearable. It would actually be unbearable, I think. I mean, we certainly have human relationships and that, you know, other human beings make life bearable for sure. But if you take away our creativity, this is what it means when you say art redeems the idea that man is good. If you take away that art, what else, like if you, the total sum of human experience that we are so awful to each other, actually. <laughs> and a large part of human experience is being horrible to each other. And so when you when you use creativity somehow and you, you latch onto that somehow, it does redeem that uh, it's good. But as, as your question with, with Joseph Campbell goes, I don't also wanna get hooked into this I, like Messiah complex ego thing where, oh, art is gonna save us. I mean, the person who makes art is humans. Humans are going to save us, right? Technology is also not going to save us because humans, it's in the hands of humanity, <laughs> right? So like, but I do think that art is our greatest, our greatest strength. Um, and, yeah. and then, well, also like, and, and thank you for sharing all that. Like it, the one, the one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's like, well, there's nature. That's what's left. You know, but then I mean, if you can imagine, just like it, that I love, I love the thought experiment that you, you're talking about there. Because I mean, I'm for instance, I'm in the studio right now. Like you take away all the, it's like I'd just be sitting on the grass. You know what I mean? We back, we we would be back to just being kind of like in an animal, yeah. state, which is like you know, nature is epic and beautiful, and most spectacular art in the world comes from nature, which is something that I know is very deep to your own philosophy. So, but uh, yeah, that's a very powerful thought experiment. And oh, I forgot what I was going to ask you now. So we'll just keep rolling. What were we talking about? 
<laughs> thought experiments and art uh, redeeming the idea that man is good and art as the um, oh oh yeah well like the idea of, of, of saving of saving us like i mean it's kind of an interesting thing because it's like at the end of the day we can't really be saved it's like so this is one of the, this is something i think is actually really cool about burning man and like one thing that a lot of people criticize Burning Man very heavily for, and I'm like, I feel like on one plane of reality it makes a lot of sense, and on another plane of reality it's it's not really a valid criticism. Which is one is like, the amount of, for instance, of like resources that it burns, and it's not sustainable, and it's just like a waste. But then it's like the central message of Burning Man is this very Buddhist uh, teaching on impermanence. It's kind of like the yeah. sand mandala yeah. of the Tibetans, where they make they make this totally. epic thing, and then they just blow it away. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I mean, that's what the city is. It's basically right. a giant sand mandala community. <laughs> and, and that's really, oh, right. and that's important that we have that because it's like we do, because Burning Man is also about like awakening to the fact that like yeah. we are impermanent, and like we, yeah. and like no matter how epic of a thing occurs, it, it changes and and nothing's static and everything is falling apart. I'm quoting Fight Club right now, <laughs> but the <laughs> point the point of just like this idea of change and impermanence is a constant thing. And like the importance of recognizing it. That being said, like that's a very like deep, you know, like kind of Buddhist perspective and like piercing through, you know, duality of life. But at the, on a human level, like I do feel that like the importance of community and creating things that are sustainable and like honoring that and trying to find a way of, of like sustainable living for the benefit of, of those who are coming after us, such as children. And like you mentioned, I have a child coming very, very soon. Uh, so that is obviously something important. I just wanted to share that commentary because that's what I was thinking about when you were talking. Um, nice. And you were talking, just to keep rolling with it, you were talking about plant medicine and things like that. And can you just share about your experiences with plant medicine and theogens, psychedelics, how they have influenced and inspired your work? And yeah, go on with that. Oh, man. Um, I... Have you ever publicly talked about that, just out of curiosity? Um, not at length. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm not it's not something that I try to hide. I mean, I I really feel like ayahuasca has informed since 2007. I mean, the first time I tried ayahuasca was 2004, and um, but since 2007 you know, and, and increasingly after that, it has been um, a huge influence on my life as, um, <clears throat> as, it, as it peels away the layers of reality, right. you know, and it's a purifying um, force, truly, like burning away so much karma every time. <laughs> it's like, it's like a year of therapy in four hours. Um, <laughs> um, but um, but um, I think honestly, uh, psychedelics are. It's, I think I feel like it's something that everyone should should um, experience in a you know the proper set and setting and in not recreational necessarily all the t you know, but as you know done with an intention to um, expand the mind and consciousness and and your sense of. Um, your world and your reality beyond this physical realm in, into a spiritual realm. And I feel like um, ever since I was a little kid, I had, I just, 
I really have very strong memories of being in that childhood theta mind state of a magical thinking, um, and which was really prolonged because um, when I lived in Yugoslavia, do you mind if I tell you a, a childhood story? <laughs> One of the I, reasons. No, I mean, we're, I'm interviewing you, so it's just kind of <laughs> how, however it all well, connects. The reason cool. why I, I, I love ayahuasca because it allows me to talk to plants. And that was something that I wished and wanted to do since I was a child and and uh, I lived in Yugoslavia and there was no American, there was no media. So it was like books and being outside and making up your own games and like, you know, like literally looking at plants. <laughs> and of course, like playing with Legos and your friends and going sledding and all stuff like that. But um, for me, <clears throat> Um, I was in the world of, of make-believe and reading enormous amounts of, of Narnia, C.S. Lewis books, right? I'm like, that was my fantasy world. And Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe um, was my still one of my favorite books. And um, I remember, I remember um, walking home from a friend's house, my friend Scott's house, and I walked, cut through a, a neighbor's yard and part going up the hill in this neighborhood we lived in. I was on my own by myself. And I saw a bonfire where someone was burning a whole bunch of like trash. Maybe it was like there was a tire, maybe there was a couch, there was like trash, all this stuff. And it was out of control on in there and they had a very large like you know field um there weren't a lot of homes around it just one home and you know there was they with the corner so i cut through to get to it was a shortcut so i went through and i saw this whole thing on fire and there was no adults no one caring that this raging fire was in there on their on their property and back looking back, they were just burning trash because they didn't know what to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. But there was no adult there and they were just letting it burn and it was black smoke. It was toxic, toxic, toxic. And there was just, no one cared. And it was the first time I ever felt like a profound unease about reality and about humanity. And mm -hmm. if we can do this to our world and not care about the danger of setting our fucking world on fire, mm -hmm. then how are we going to survive? Like I had this existential crisis, basically. I'm walking home, I'm like age eight, and I'm seeing a fire burning out of control <clears throat> and there's no one around to care. And I'm going, this is like, I literally was thinking if this is how he, like other adults behave, this, this is not going to end well, <laughs> you know? And I remember running home and I was so alarmed. I was so alarmed and I wanted to tell someone and I wanted to, I, I was so upset that like people were hurting the earth and the air and the land and all this stuff. And I went and I looked at my house and I knew my parents were home, but I was just like, they're not gonna understand. They're not the people that I wanna talk to right now. And so I ran to my favorite tree which was a giant pine tree. And I threw myself weeping at the base of the pine tree in this fetal position, but also holding on to the base of the tree, like cr 
crying, just out of control, crying, weeping, weeping. And I was saying to the pine tree, forgive us, forgive us, <laughs> meaning forgive humanity. We don't know what we're doing. I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, forgive us. We don't know what we're doing. It's almost like Jesus is saying, you know, forgive us. We know not, they know not what they do. Right. And I'm like, what do we do? This is, you know, why would humans do this? All this stuff. And I was just, I, it was an absolute meltdown <laughs> existential crisis. And there was all of a sudden this like this is the first time this ever happened to me and i and i've had these strange experiences ever since this moment but the first time it ever happened to me was right then and it was like it wasn't a voice but it was like a knowing it was like like an like a it was like a presence and it was like yeah <laughs> you don't know what you're doing and you are going to continue to not know what you're doing you will you are right this energy this unconsciousness will lead you to deplete food sources to not to overfish the oceans to not trust your own food and the water and cut down the forests and basically it was just like confirming my deepest fears that this is the path that humanity is walking, right? That I was correct, that I was tapping into that path. And I was in, I don't know if you could call it a conversation because there was no real words expressed. It was all kind of like in my heart was, well, then what do I, what's my role? What do I do? And the, the, knowing or the present said your job is to find out a way to change this consciousness and it, there's no wrong way there's no right way to do it but you have to change it because consciousness is the root of everything that comes after it of your belief system and if you believe that you can burn down the world and not have any consequences i'm gonna gonna cry then this is what will happen to the earth on a larger scale. Uh -huh. And so it, you choose the path, but that is what is needed. And end transmission. <laughs> and so I sat there in this puddle of tears holding on to this pine tree, just like quivering and like, from that point onward, I was like wanting to talk to this intelligence that was in the plant. And when I discovered ayahuasca, it was that coming home mm. to talking to the plant and talking to the wisdom that is beyond human wisdom. And, um, and for me, it's always, you know, it's a teacher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you when you go and sit in ceremony, it's like school, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, that's why I, I love it 
so so much and and it's and it, it goes in it you know it, it's a course correction every time you sit in ceremony and you know um yeah you know all about that jerry <laughs> fully support course corrections uh, and also though too thank you for sharing that i was you know because i mean I've, I've i've talked with you a lot about this obviously subject uh so i was actually expecting you to talk about a different aspect of it so that was i appreciate you sharing that because that is a super powerful thing to just right. meditate on our communication with nature and ceremonial school of course can you share about how uh like you get the visionary you you've received some sculptures specifically from ayahuasca that's is that correct yeah guardian of eden right i mean yeah that was just like i mean if you look at my style from um the first three sculptures that i made it was very linear um very um very, very masculine actually i suppose but not really i mean stadium of the self is very feminine because it's a container right mm. and dual nature is very i mean it's very lots of it's dual yeah it's very i mean it's very <laughs> it's male and female i mean it's a circle sure. it's a wave but it's also like this staccato of straight lines and like yeah. violent straight lines right so it's like a yin and yang in a way but um but yeah it was interesting. I remember um, having this idea for Guardian of Eden and then going to ayahuasca ceremony and still being stuck on like, how am I supposed to build this? And then I remember kind of talking to another plant that was smoking <laughs> after the ceremony and going, how do I build this? And and, and this, other, this uh, intelligence went, okay, well, look, it's not that hard. It goes like this. And then on the astral plane, I have my eyes closed. Guardian of Eden, as you see it in the picture, was just basically was like, build it like, you know, like with, with these planes and this and down to the nuts and bolts and exactly how it goes together, like the whole thing. And it's just like, like, like an exploded view to the actual reality. It was just like here, it was just like handed to me as a gift. And I remember going, Oh my God. And I like grabbed whatever tiny notebook I had and like drew like as if it was like my, my instructions immediately onto the page. And then I showed it to my friend and I'm like, I have, I just had this download. You have to see this, look at this drawing and this is how we're going to build it. And I like showed him my little drawings and he goes, Holy shit, this is it. How did, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't, the plant told me, <laughs> you know, and uh and you know it's the uh, yeah that was that's how that's how guardian of and, Eden came and now it. that's literally sitting outside of the museum of nevada modern art in reno uh, uh, um yeah nma and nevada museum of art yeah know. that's amazing stuff uh yeah. so what when I, when I think about that what you know having talked to a lot of people who have all kinds of visions from plants and things like that i mean that, that what's incredible about that is that you receive a vision a lot of people receive visions from plants as something that happens, but like you were able to take it and apply the discipline to materialize it into how tall is that thing? Um, it's 18 feet tall. It's 18 feet tall. Feet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, that doesn't sound that tall, but I mean, I've, I've seen it. It's huge. <laughs> like 18 feet, I mean, 18 feet doesn't sound like cause star seeds, like 40 feet tall. I know that. 42. Yes. Yes. Right. So, but, uh, 
to take of just a vision that you receive and then have the discipline to be like, I need to channel this into the material world and then actually follow through and create mm-hmm. it. And I just know there's so many people, I mean, everybody at some point and one another has been like feeling this blockage within their own creative practice about I want to channel out this vision I have of like a hope for a better world, not just like I want to make some cool art to make some money. And like, but then they're not able to do it. And like, obviously, discipline is a really simplified way of saying why or why not. But can you just talk about like, what is it that's allowed you to create so many amazing things and, um, you know, to like follow through and just master that in the way that you have? Um, first of all, I don't consider myself a master. I consider myself always learning. <laughs> that's a good way to say this. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you haven't arrived at the end until you die. And even then, that's a new beginning. Right. But like, you always have to be learning something. Um, I think it's hubristic to think that you can't learn um, and keep on learning. That's what a master should be doing is always learning. Uh-huh. Um, I think, okay. What has allowed me to do that was uh, that I'm just going to say it in very practical terms, Burning Man saw my that vision and believed in me, and they funded my idea. But you right? didn't doubt yourself too. That's the thing. I think a lot of people doubt themselves with it as well. I mean, you were like, well, "This is the you had you've had the you had the the trust in yourself to do it." Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it's the. So at um, there's this there's this quote at the very beginning of um, Henry the Fourth, um, where the narrator is calling in the spirits to animate the story of the play, and he says, "Oh, for a muse of fire, that would ascend the greatest heaven of invention," and that means give me so much inspiration that that is it is a conduit from heaven to earth to manifest this reality and for me when when your art and the and 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 the and the your spiritual practice are like welded together um it becomes kind of like my path to to make it real like there wasn't an option <laughs> for That's my soul it. it was like burning a hole in yeah. me. it wasn't an option to not make it real like if if you believe in it enough you will find a way to make it or maybe it's just like a prototype maybe it's whatever just it doesn't have to be the whole thing you know like maybe it's the the drawing and then you you believe in it you know or you show it to somebody else and someone makes a 3d model of it which is what uh, Joe Alexander did for me, who was a architect that was helping me do the renderings at that time in my life. And, um, you know, he was able to take the idea in my head and put it in a rendering to make other people believe that this could be made real, you know? So that's step one, right? Like paint a picture of how it could be made real. And then, then I showed that to Burning Man with a whole entire like manifesto. You should see, you should have like read my whole proposal is like deep <laughs> for Guardian of Eden. Oh my God. I went into like, I mean, 
researched like the emerald tablets of Thoth and like the, the, and and you know all this like Egyptian mythology and uh, it was it was pretty deep and uh, and it was uh, it it was very fully 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 realized and then of course you have to go okay and then the next step is. Uh, how do you make this in steel? How do you, how much is that going to cost? You know, I don't have to like break down, you know how hard it is, Jerry, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> like and dirty. And then the thing is you have to hold on to that exact same fire the whole time when you're getting dirty and sweaty and you're doing the, the work that isn't the quote unquote glory work of what people think artists is like dreaming in some sort of like uh, like castle tower dreaming of art no That's you actually have to get yeah. dirty and do the fucking work uh -huh. do the work and you can't be afraid of that or too dainty or at least in my case you know be able to learn how to weld you know yeah. it's like oh i don't know how to learn how to weld so therefore i can't make it no i'm gonna learn how to weld right and you know <laughs> that's you know, you don't let not knowing stop you. You just keep learning the next thing that ha has you walk down that path to figuring it out. Um, and, you know, you don't let not knowing stop you. So learn it. Do the work. <laughs> learn learn how to do it. Yeah, you know, this Find is... Find someone to good. collaborate with that, that can add and start and begin a team. You know, if you're the vision and you, you have this thing, find someone else that believes in the same vision and start like a team. And so as a team, and I've had blessed by having so many people help me make these things come to life. I mean, I'm not doing this myself. There's a, there's a whole fabrication shop in the Bronx right, that right. you were at. You know what I mean? It, I'm not waving a fairy wand and making this happen. Like I was running that whole crew and you and me like I'm talking about Starseed right now mm -hmm. and the crew in, in, in Oakland, we were all busting our butts because everyone believed in that same vision. So have a, have a team that believes in that idea. And I mean, that's the beauty of the culture of Burning Man is that people believe in insane ideas that they want to bring to life. <laughs> that it's is insane. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things it's are insane. Extremely, and people yeah. go, that's insane. <laughs> Instead of that's insane. Why would you want to do that? It's that's insane. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I like that. Yeah. And and I remember too we we would always talk about how like it just like everything that could go wrong would go wrong Murphy's oh, law. Yeah. But then at the same time it was like magical things would happen and people would show up that would just save the day because it just okay. always felt like this is I'm kind of maybe I'm just adding on to your answer here. I'm sure you'll have something to say about it as well where it would be like you know, the vision is something, and this is what you were saying, the vision is like beyond you. It's coming from the above, it's coming from the plant that's connected from the source, and you're mm -hmm. just like a vessel and a channel for it. And when you when you are in service towards that, then there is some kind of magical like plot <laughs> that's conceived of where it's like, okay, at this moment, the welder's gonna break, but then this other guy's gonna come in who shouldn't be there on that day to fix it. And you know, these kind of things would always occur and there, uh, my point is there's always like this magical like whimsical thing that would happen that would consistently push the vision forward through like yeah. insurmountable obstacles and it all, that always provided me like a, a faith in the unknown and like the mystery of life of like how the hell is this thing going to get done because 
I mean, we were in extremely crazy situations doing this thing, so. Oh my God, Jerry, you and I, I love, I love how I, I remember you were such an amazing moral support. Those, like, not just physical support of like building all these artworks together, but you were in it, you had faith, you know, you had, you had a great um, belief in the project. And, you know, I was like running myself into the ground so many times, like, oh, this is, ah, this is fucking crazy. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, 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 and whatever. And, uh, and you're like, Kate, it's the hero's journey. We can do this. <laughs> like, this is Joseph Campbell. You're going to face these obstacles and, and, and you're, 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 you're gonna, you're gonna, you're, we're going to get through this. Like, and then you would name all the good things that are happening. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Do you remember the time when we were making wishing tree together? And I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to pay my studio rent next month. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden someone knocked on the door and it was like, we need to install some sort of like 5G tower on your roof, but we have to dismantle your entire studio or part of your studio and stop your work to, to, in order to do it. And I'm right. like, I have to keep working. How the fuck? Is, da, 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 I can't do that. And then he turned around and he said, but we're going to pay you $2,000 right, right. Right? or something, uh, I don't know, whatever for yeah. your troubles because they were making us stop our project. And that was more than enough to pay the studio rent at the time. And you looked at me and you're like, it's the hero's journey, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> like, like one door closes and another, and another one opens. <laughs> your purse has your back. That's <laughs> funny. I mean, yeah, that, I forgot about that. That's funny. Yeah, that I remember. Was awesome. And, that and was like, awesome. you know, for me personally, like it was therapeutic to like just work myself to a place of extreme exhaustion i still tell people about it when we're doing that build because there was a time when i was up not exaggerating for three days straight and i was yeah. just like drill pressing steel and it was just covered in oh my God. <laughs> like metal shards and we were just blasting like i don't know dubstep and i was just drinking five hour energy shots trying to stay awake and then i remember oh, like and i remember i i did get to fall asleep after three days for about three, four hours, and I woke up, and I felt like Mike Tyson had just pummeled me in the head, and I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> but, yes, that, but that was powerful because it was like pushing yourself to the absolute limit for something yeah. larger than yourself that would help people, and it was like, it was fun. So, I mean, just, <laughs> just, I mean, I, I had a great time with it. It was, it was awesome. So, the good memories I, of, of building things, building art, the power of art to just like push you past your limits and just transform things and yeah. your own psyche. <laughs> <laughs> you were... Honestly, you were a warrior. You really were. Like your strength and your stamina were key. Like I could not have made a lot of that stuff without you as you called yourself a sidekick, which I think is an insult. You were like my <laughs> right-hand man um, through, for all those years. And it was just like, it was a period of like such growth for both of us, you know, creative mm -hmm. and personal growth spiritual growth for for um for both of us and like i learned from you too and you learned from me and it was just a really like i really appreciate that that time jerry I have to ouch, say. Ouch, definitely yeah that was amazing <laughs> um and, and but the, other, the, the other thing jerry is like you know when you're pushing yourself to the limit like we both understood that it wasn't to feed our own ego to make a thing it right. was you know you're making star seed but the north star 
of Starseed was that it was a gift to give to people, an experience to give to people at, at Burning Man, mm -hmm. right? Like you're creating it not for you, but as um, a, a creative act of generosity. Um, um, and, you know, it's that creative dare, but it's also the, cre the creative gift that you're giving to other people and it's not for you, right? It's for complete strangers in the desert, <laughs> right? Um, and I think that, you know, that that is really the, the motivator is that it's not yours. You are the conduit for it, but you don't get to keep it. Right. And um, I think, and, and I think that, it, that, that it's really important that you're not serving your own ego actually. And that is, that is really the, the thing that you got to understand actually about the process is that it's, it's not about me <laughs> at all. It's not about me at all. It's about the idea. Like I'm serving the idea. I'm not serving me. I'm serving the idea. I'm serving the artwork. I'm serving the gift. Yeah. And I, you know, I had never been to Burning Man when we did Starseed. And so that was definitely like <laughs> I, I I know I had no idea what we were getting we were getting ourselves into, but definitely like oh I mean, but then the thing that I'm reflecting on is just like how the thing when you're just in that place of giving, like I talk I, I do on this podcast, I like to just kind of ramble on my own monologues, and uh, often I well, not when I'm interviewing people as much as I can help it, but when I when I do it on my own, and I talk a lot about just like but you know this is the whole teaching like in the Bhagavad Gita, right? This is just like we're just we're in we're giving we're giving, and then what happens is like there's a feedback where we don't we're not giving to receive but the, the we do receive a tremendous benefit there's something that sustains us that brings life back into us just by the act of giving so i, I think this is like i think this is what distinguishes perhaps maybe like kind of the first thing we were talking about like a lot of people that you say you know, create art from burning man and what people can learn from burning man is this idea of just like generosity sharing and giving and community like and that how that's a redemptive act for the human species and doing it through art is not only a very beautiful kind thing to do but it's also just like freaking mind-blowing and amazing so <laughs> uh one last question i have here for you which might turn into many more i don't know but yeah. is, uh and you kind of started to touch on it a little bit like this there's like sort of this idealization of the artist right like i mean you even had a, it, you could say maybe when you first called yourself an artist you're like oh i'm now in this role like what we think of an artist and put it on a pedestal and so on and so forth not saying that's specifically what you were doing but a lot of people have an I idealization about what it means to be an artist and what that looks like and what it feels like and you and i talked so much about this when we were when we were dating and working together and i just think like your perspective on it is was really impactful for me and definitely has informed me a lot as i've moved forward with you know creating art and doing other things can you just talk about that? Like, what does it mean to be an artist that, like, no one would ever guess from the outside looking in? Because I think there's a lot of misperceptions about it. I don't know. You know, Jerry, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> That's a good answer. That sounds, that sounds like a good answer. I mean, I just, like, what is, like, I'm always caught in the, like, I think I'm just so close to it. I mean, I could give you some advice. <laughs> People, advise, like, depending on, like, I mean, it's very important to trust your own instincts mm -hmm. and that not everyone that helps you is also um, can be trusted. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> That's a good one. No, it's true because a lot of people are doing it to serve themselves. Well, um, I think being a woman in the art industry is really fraught with sexual harassment 
I mean, I have been, yeah, I mean, I don't even want to get into it, but I mean, it's really hard for a woman mm -hmm. um, because if there's um, an entry point that is controlled by a man, they will abuse that a lot of times. Not at Burning Man, I'm not talking about Burning Man necessarily, but um, so that's that's hard. It's 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 it, it will that actually actually ha! I mean I could tell you a story about my early days before I was an artist before I was a even made art for Burning Man I had been going to Burning Man and not making art for Burning Man and I thought I wanted to be a photographer and I wanted to be in galleries and there was a way to do that so you shop your portfolio around in New York. <clears throat> galleries and stuff because there's open portfolio days all the time and then i i i was photographing parties um in new york gallery scene and elsewhere like broadway and theater and stuff like that and i ran into some really cool people um at an art gallery and then there was lots of like a-list celebrities there among them one of at the time uh an art hero um by the name chuck close who's a painter and he looked me up and down and said, I'm looking for a muse. Will you come bring your, <laughs> bring your portfolio to my studio? Now, like any woman that I say this to, they're like, oh, here we go. You know, it's like, bring your portfolio to my studio is like code for, let me see how I can get in your pants. And, and I was like, well, nothing's gonna happen because Chuck Close, was also in a wheelchair at this right. at this time, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm like, well, what was the worst that could happen? Well, apparently you can be a lech <laughs> at, at that stage of the game. And um, and I was so, uh, without going into too much detail, I mean, like trying to get me to take off my clothes so that he could like basically inspect the merchandise before he dis describes, you know, decides to make me his muse i'm like you are an absolute creep yeah. and i'm like he's like well you know you have to give me something or else i'm not going to introduce you to this gallery and i'm like so that's how it is he's like yeah kate that's how the art world works huh. you give me something of yourself and i will help you in your career and i'm like i wanted to throw up in his lap uh -huh. it was just like, I'm like, I'm so disgusted. I think you're a creep. And I left. And after that, within um, a few months after that, I'm like, fuck it. And I applied for my first grant to make an artwork for Burning Man. And I never looked back <laughs> on that life. I never heard that story. That's I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, it's interesting how many women's art careers can get derailed by like that kind of sexual harassment right you know like that kind of abuse i mean think about art history there's a lot of men right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right well the, the women are not exactly i mean i'm don't get me on a feminist rant we're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna be talking all day anyway so um but i would say um i think Maybe we can maybe we can just like kind of like wrap this up by say by talking about the approach to making art as an act of courage, really. 
that there is there is an uh, there is I, I think about a lot of life about like you know the yin and yang symbols the black and the white and the wave and um the two mm -hmm. dots yeah right it's kind of like it's illustrating the concept in particle physics of like all reality made up of waves and particles right Mm -hmm. and um, uh, riding a wave and then being very specific about something and finding the particle in space. But once you find the particle, it no longer exists there because it's part of a wave. And what I'm trying to say with this analogy is saying that you are part of a larger whole. You're part of the wave. You're part of history. You're part of uh, humanity's search for itself. You're part of that wave but you're also a particle trying to define itself mm -hmm. and you're trying to understand your place in it and how to hold space as just that one particle, that one self, that one soul and making that as special and as meaningful as possible while at the same time understanding you are along for the ride of your life with everybody else yep. is that there are moments of contraction of going within of going inside of going um understanding yourself of learning of deep 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 learning of of doing the work of going into ceremony and all that stuff but there's also time for expansion and being in the wave and like sharing what you learn and connecting with everything else and the whole of humanity because what good is a monk meditating in a cave in the middle of nowhere and not seeing anyone? What good is that expanded awareness if it is not shared, right? So the thing about art, it takes courage and it takes risks to share it, but that's really the only way you grow, right? Yep, it's the definitely. only way that you share your own wisdom and your own path and your own particle existence with the whole. And that's how you, that's how, you know, I, I've, I've always said that art is um, the, the physical manifestation of, of the creative consciousness of humankind. It's, 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 it's identified through our creative acts. We, we are storytellers through our acts of creation. And if you don't tell your story through your creativity, then it will be lost. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what I, I want to leave you with is that it's a, it is like an, an act of courage and, and you know, getting dirty <laughs> and, and doing the work and, 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 and messing up and, and, and trying again but holding, you know, that particle, that light of the idea as your North Star mm. and, and working, working towards that um, because your, that North Star is yours and the world really needs it. <laughs> it wasn't, the creative gift wasn't given to you for no reason. It was right. given to you to share. That's awesome. I, I deeply resonate with that. That's really powerful. Excellent. I, I, feel, I feel that's a really good place to leave it on.
<laughs> I agree. Cool. Thank you so much. For, <laughs> thank, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing that. I'm really like, I'm really happy. I'm thinking about like, that's such a great message to share with people. I've, so I'm really excited to share this with people. And so people can hear that and then like reflect on like, okay, how can I live my life by that principle? Cause like, that's, yeah, like a lot. That's what it's about. What you're saying, just like that act of courage. That's epic. So thank you, Kate. <laughs> you're welcome, Jared. It's so great to see you. Great to see you and talk to you as well. Hope to cross paths again soon. Yeah, I'm so glad we're, we're still creative friends. <laughs> exactly. I'm really glad you're in my life. You're awesome. Ouch, ouch. Same here. It's great to see you. <laughs> I'm going to turn this on.